0: Hello, 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 and welcome to episode 14 of the Unspoken Rules podcast. I'm your host, Sebastian, a.k.a. Rabbit, and I'm here with my co-host, Mr. Blake Spillers. Blake, good morning, brother. How you doing?
1: You know, good morning, and I'm doing pretty good on this fine morning. How about yourself?
0: I'm doing great. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't be doing any better, I guess. Um, Well, do we got some craziness to talk about. You know what I'm saying? The two games last night, and obviously some news that we heard yesterday, but we got some breaking news that just came in right before the show started that we'll get into later in that in that Nets Bucks series. But let's start off with the first game. Last night, Hawks 76ers, what a crazy second half. I, you know what I'm saying? I don't know if you watched that game, but that comeback was absolutely uh, a crazy sight, to say the least. Um, let's just start off with some key notable players. Tobias, you got your regular 20 points, uh, 8 for 15 shooting, 39 minutes. Uh, Joel Embiid, 17 points, 4 for 20 from the field, and 21 rebounds. We'll, we'll, we'll get into that. You know what I'm saying? Ben Simmons, I guess you get your little 11. Seth Curry, 17. I do want to mention something a little later on. Give me one second. And then obviously on the other side of things, Trae Young had 25, 8 for 26, shooting not that great. Bogdan, 22, 9 for 24, shooting not that great. Kevin Hoyter with a solid 10 four for 10 shooting. John Collins did his thing with 14, six for 15 from the field and Clint Capella, a nice and easy 12, six for nine from the field. Now the Hawks did in fact win last night, 103, 100 with a crazy third quarter, you know, 31 to 20. But I want to ask you something, Blake, and I want to mention a few stats here that I got. So the second half, Mr. Joel Embiid, Mr. I I should have been the MVP, Mr. quote-unquote best center in the league, arguably, was 0 for 12 in the second half, number one. Number two, the man looked gassed or the man looked hurt in some way, shape, or form. I don't know if he looked hurt in your eyes, but in my eyes, I think he's finally feeling that small tear in his meniscus, and I just don't know if like moving forward, if he's gonna be okay, maybe it's just you know, maybe maybe he was just tired and he didn't do his pregame routine or whatever the case may be. But it's crazy that we see and or talk about the lack of his the lack of his athletic ability in games like this where he plays horrible, but we don't see it in the in the first three games of the series where he was dropping 39, 40 points. You know what I'm saying? And so for Joel Embiid to say in his presser last night. For down the stretch, that layup that you, you you and I were both talking about, he said he couldn't get up. He said he could not get up to usually dunk that. He would usually dunk that attempt rather than lay it up. And so with him making that statement, is that kind of implementing and implying that his knee is really the, like is really taking, you know, effect into his his like style of gameplay or what
1: do you think? Well, I think it's kind of a combination of his knees definitely bothering him more. I mean, I figured that this whole series he would have been playing worse, but the first three games just wasn't the case. He looked like normal, normal Joel Embiid. But then last night, I think he was also tired and frustrated. I mean, if you go, mm-hmm. if you're the star player on your team, anybody, if you're shooting over twelve and a half, you're gonna get frustrated. I mean, every time down the uh, down the court, he was yelling for calls. He was mad. He wasn't getting calls. But I'm going to give the Hawks credit. Yes, Joel Embiid played bad and missed a lot of shots he normally makes, but the Hawks made it hard for him. They were double-teaming him a lot when he got the ball in the post. I saw him turn the ball over two or three possessions in a row, I think, in that third quarter, just getting the ball stripped from a guard when he was trying to back down in the post. But I think it's not so much the injury, because the injury's been there. I, don't think, yeah. I think they said before the series started that the injury isn't going to get worse. It's, he's just going to be in pain. So if that was an excuse for the first three games, why is he using it now? He just based on his demeanor on the court, he looks t- He looked tired. And like I said, he looked frustrated. I mean, Oh, for 12 shooting. And it wasn't just the fact that he was 0 for 12. He was missing bunnies. Like you said, that layup at the end of the game. I don't care if he couldn't get up. That's a three foot shot with someone shorter than you. You don't need to dunk that. That should be an easy. Give me shot. And if he hits that, We're not talking about a Hawks winning game four. The Hawks didn't play necessarily great last night. Like you said, Trey Young didn't shoot that well. Clint Capella didn't shoot that well. Bogdanovich didn't shoot that well. They did just enough in that second half to win the game. But Joel Embiid needs to step up. If you're the best player on the court, you can't have over 12 halves. It just can't happen. If you're going to be that superstar player, the best center in the league, and you're going up against a team that doesn't have that great of centers or Uh, backcourt or frontcourt, excuse me, you need to dominate like you did in the first three games. You can't have games like this if you're expected to be contenders in the East or in the
0: West, for say. No, absolutely. And one keyable known fact, if you didn't know, the only reason I know this is because I was having a little argument at halftime. One of my friends said, oh, Seth Curry has more points than Trey Young. Mind you, at halftime, he had 17. Seth Curry finished with 17. This man didn't have a single point as well as Joel Embiid in that second half. So, yes, I guess we can credit at like what you said. We can credit the Atlanta Hawks. But at the same time, I guarantee you these boys in Philly are pissed. Oh, yeah. Because there is no way that they should have lost that game. You get one bucket from Joel in the second half and one bucket from Seth. They 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 win. And the Hawks lose. But at the same time, you know what I'm saying? I guarantee you that the the seven the, the Atlanta Hawks are also just like, yo, hey, man, we didn't do well. We didn't play well offensively, but a win's a win. You know what I'm saying? Like you mentioned, they did play great defense. You know what I'm saying? At times. Some mm. were, you know, there, there were times that shots were open for both sides because there were a lot of Atlanta Hawks shots that were open down the stretch. I remember talking with my IRLs, like, like, Bogdan had a wide open three, and he pulled like a little Steph Curry and ran away because he thought it was a bucket. He misses it. Danilo has uh, the the next possession. Danilo has a three wide open, misses it. It's just there were a lot of shots wide open on Atlanta's side that they just didn't take advantage of and missed. And I don't know, bro. I don't know. I guess. Hey, I guess they'll take it. You know what I'm saying? A win is a win. But I know for a fact that the Sixers are pissed for losing this game because this should have been a three one lead. Uh, or no, sorry. no, yeah, three yeah, yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, three one lead. And um. It's just very unfortunate to be in the situation where they are now because now Joel looks like he might be hurt or his knee might be affecting him a lot. And so are you going to get the 39, 40 points production from Joel in the next game? or Because I know for sure the Hawks are not going to come out playing this horrible in the sense of their shooting because what did Trey go? For Trey to go 8 for 26 and for Bogdan to go 9 for 24, I don't think we're going to see that performance again. You know what I'm saying? At least from them. No, yeah, no. At least from them. At least from them. I don't think we're gonna see that poor of a performance. Credit to John Collins, though. I mean, he had a crutch, a crutch, a clutch bucket down the stretch in that game. So you know, I'll give him that credit. Um, But what also was frustrating watching that game? Now, I I don't want to make like an excuse or whatever the case may be, but it seemed like during that second and third quarter, the refs were really just like pissed off at the Atlanta fans as well as the Atlanta like players for always complaining about a double dribble, a travel, a foul that they weren't getting, whatever the case may be. So it just seemed like the refs were just calling, like, these soft calls on the Sixers and just giving them free throws instead of, like, calling it in a fair sense. Because I remember Trey was going up for a layup or some crap, and you heard the slap on TV, and they didn't call it. But then later, the next position down the the court, freaking, I think it was Kevin or or Bogdan swipes, like, last second. And they called like a freaking little touch foul. I was like, bro, I don't know how I feel about it, but I mean, at the end of the day, like they they still won the game, and you can't really blame the refs and whatnot. But I don't know, man. I well, I don't know. Go I'm ahead. glad you brought that up because I was
1: thinking the same thing. The refs were so inconsistent last night. It's mm-hmm. one thing for me when I'm looking for in refs is just consistency. Yep. If you're gonna if you're gonna call touch fouls, you gotta t- call them all game. If you're not gonna call anything, don't call anything all game. But last night, it was so inconsistent. I mean, just by the quarters, it seemed like the refs couldn't make up what they thought was a foul and what they thought wasn't a foul. Because there were a couple times, like you said, in that second and third quarter where I thought, wow, that's an obvious foul, and it didn't get called. But then yet in the fourth quarter, I saw a couple times, Trey Young drove, and they were blowing the whistle before he even got touched. Mm -hmm. It was like they were expecting contact. They were making the call before the play even happened. And that's something that I just don't like. I don't like when refs have... They, they have any like meaning in the game. The refs shouldn't control the game. Yeah. The, the refs need to let the game go, especially in a playoff. Form. Exactly. I mean, you got to let the boys play. And when you're calling touch fouls like that, you're just not. And not only that, you're being inconsistent with it. Sometimes you're calling it. Sometimes you're not. I don't know if you know, but I like guess a defender, that is so frustrating because you don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, Especially when they're calling it sometimes and they're not calling it the other times. It's like, well, what am I supposed to do defensively? Because it's like, sometimes I feel like I'm not doing anything. And I'm getting called with a foul. And then other times I feel like I can get away with it. It's just, the refs definitely need to improve. But I, if I'm doc rivers, I sit Joel Embiid down. I I'm not talking to the rest of the team right now. I sit him down and say, guess what, Joel Embiid, if your knee is bothering you that much, don't play. Cause I can't have a performance like you, that out of you. Cause think about this, even if Joel Embiid is not playing in that second half, you put in Dwight Howard or someone else as the backup center, they're not going over 12. They might not be shooting the ball as much, but somebody else is getting those shots and probably making them. I mean, what are the odds that if Joel Embiid doesn't shoot that ball like that in the second half, someone else is going to go over 12? I just don't think it happens. And if I'm Embiid, I'm pissed. Like you said, the six years I think are going to come out in game five and just all guns a blazing. I wouldn't be surprised. I'm I would bet the house. If I was betting, I'd bet the house on the Sixers in game five. That's just my opinion. But the Hawks, hey, give credit to the Hawks. You got to win the ugly games. Yeah. I mean, if it's there to win, you got to win them. But I still think the 76ers are going to come out
0: on top in this series. All right. I just want to add one more thing, and then we can move on to the next topic. Did you see that Ben Simmons flagrant foul last night? Yeah. Oh my,
1: I think that was worse than the Jokic one.
0: Listen, I was just going to say that. It's crazy to me. And it brings up the whole consistency, inconsistency. Mm -hmm. It's crazy to me how Ben Simmons gets a flagrant one after that hard foul on John Collins. But we made it a big ordeal on Nikolai Jokic, like I said yesterday, for literally swiping and love tapping Cameron Payne's nose. It, It just doesn't it doesn't make sense how that game or how Nikolai Jokic gets a flagrant 2 and then Ben Simmons which is a harder foul gets a flagrant 1 the consistency it, it literally like we said like you said needs to happen bro like it just doesn't make sense that one affected the game tremendously due to the fact that they ended up playing with great energy after he got ejected but that game the nuggets would have won that
1: no oh, yeah i mean i completely agree you, jokic just come out in that game I think they win. But mm-hmm. I guess you have to make the argument. Do they come out with that energy if he does get ejected? I'm not sure because we hadn't seen them play like that all True. series. So maybe it took the ejection for to finally wake them up. I don't know why. That's I mean, you're an NBA player. Do you really need your MVP player getting ejected down 3-0 to pump you up? Yeah. Come on. I think being down 3-0 in general should maybe get you out of your seat and ready to
0: hustle. No, 100%. 100%. All right. Let's move on to the next game. The uh, Utah Jazz took on the uh, LA Clippers at freaking Staples. <sighs> hey, man, look. All right, the Clippers, fine, credit to them. They won 118 to 104 with uh, beautiful performances from Kawhi Leonard. 31 points, 9 for 19 shooting, 34 minutes. Uh, damn, he shot 13 free throws? Jesus. Um, Paul George. Little other superstar. We're not seeing no Pandemic P. I keep saying that we're going to see it. I haven't seen it. He proved a lot to me this series. Another 31-point game, 9-for-20 shooting. Hey, also, I would like to mention, they were talking about this on the broadcast. This man, PG's taking on the point guard role. They got Chauncey Billups, freaking Mr. Bucket Getter himself, teaching PG the ways of how to play point guard ability. I was shocked about that. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Great performance from Marcus Morris. You know, it's going to be either him or Reggie Jackson on, mm-hmm. on some nights. Reggie Jackson, a horrible night. I would like to. Oh, uh, let me get closer to the mic. A horrible night. I would like to mention <laughs> two for four shooting four points. Thank you very much. Um, Nicholas Batum, not the great, greatest uh, shooting performances with uh, seven points, two for it from the field. And then they got their regular production off the bench with eight points from Zubach. Uh, Terrence Mann, who, mind you, had plus twenty one in, la- in game three, came out had plus fifteen, but he had you know one for five shooting three points, so he just did his he did his job, and then obviously Luke Kennard with a little eight points off the bench. Now Utah side of things, they got their regular production from Bogdan, I mean from Bojan. Sorry, they got their little eleven points from Gobert. I said last night or last game that they that we would not see this from Joe Ingles again. We saw it again another 19 point performance from him. Donovan Mitchell with 37. My key factor, not only will I bring up Mike Conley a little later, but my key factor tonight, or from last night was Jordan Clarkson's poor, horrible, horrible performance. You cannot be six man of the year. You cannot be the person that they rely on so heavily off the bench and have eight points, 30 minutes of gameplay and shooting three for 12. He has to come out more aggressive, shoot the ball way more better. And I think. This becomes a like a closer a closer game, I guess, as well as obviously getting a little bit more production from the rest of their bench with Derek Favors doing a little more, maybe uh, uh, Nyang you know, getting a couple more buckets. Like it's just a very unfortunate, and we'll get back into it. But obviously, I know you're excited, you know, being a Clippers fan that you are, but um. Yeah. Hey, okay, fine, fine, fine. Being not a real Clippers fan, but you know what I mean? Like you, you, you want the Clippers to no, yeah. whatever.
1: I understand what you meant.
0: But what do you think moving forward the Clippers need to do or Utah needs to do to uh, win on both sides of the, of the party? Well,
1: first off, I'm going to start by saying, yes, Jordan Clarkson had a horrible game, but did you see the defense that... Oh, no, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Whether it was Kawhi or PG guarding him, I saw, I think, (laughs) two or three air balls from Jordan Clarkson last night, which you never see. I mean, the man has been getting buckets all year. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. just the facts. He's been getting buckets all year, but they locked him up. I think they finally accepted the fact that Donovan Mitchell is going to do his thing. They played great defense on him, but there's only so much you can do. I mean... His shot is just so smooth. I mean, I remember there was a point last night. Every time he shot the ball, I'm like, all right, this is going in. This is going in. Because mm-hmm. he was him and PG last night, it just felt like whatever wherever they were shooting, it was going in. But the Clippers dominated that first half. I mean, they were up 24 points. And by the end, I mean, that was just too much for the Jazz to come back. I haven't seen, though, the Clippers come out with that kind of defensive intensity all playoffs, even though they beat the Mavs and won Game 3. They came out and said we're gonna dominate you on the defensive end, and that really opened up their offense. They were able to get stops and get on the break and get easy looks. I mean, they were having open corner. Th- I mean, it was driving kick all day for the Clippers. I mean, the Jazz just didn't know, didn't look like they could stop them. But oh my goodness! Speaking of poor Derek favors somebody needs to call and check on my guy, mans bro. because Kawhi ended him i mean oh, <sighs> i haven't gotten out of my seat faster i think all year than i did when i saw Kawhi yam on him i mean good lord first off he has royce o'neill guarding him and he says nah get off me man and then he yams completely ends derrick favors life i mean i don't have his number but anyone out there that does, send him a text. Make sure he's doing all right because if I got dunked on like that, my retire is getting hung up. That's all I'm saying. But okay. other than that, I mean, for the Jazz to win this series, they just need to – I don't know. I mean, I think it's more based on how the Clippers play than the Jazz play. I think the Jazz are going to go out there and play consistent most nights. D. Mitchell, like you said, is going to do his thing. Bogdanovich has been getting 18-20 to 20 all series. Joe Inglis has been having a good series. He had 19 again last night. But when Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are doing what they did last night, I don't think the Jazz can beat them. I don't think the Jazz can afford giving up 30 apiece from PG and Kawhi and expect to win the series. I mean, that's just my opinion. I think if Kawhi and PG have more control over the
0: series than anybody else on the court. No, I mean, I, I, you're absolutely correct. You know what I'm saying? Like, My thing is, though, right – I think that I don't know what's wrong with this Utah team the last two games maybe maybe we have to credit the clippers a little more than than I want to um but bro the last two games they've taken forever to get into rhythm they've taken forever to start just you know hooping you know that first quarter 1330 how do you lose that first quarter then that second quarter you score 31 but you still let the clippers score 38 and then they finally win a quarter in the in the second half, 29 26. And in the fourth quarter, 31-24. I don't know why they just they're like it's like the Lakers. They're like a second half team. But with you, with you having a really slow start, like they have been, sure, I guess I wanna we'll have to credit the Clippers. Uh, I don't know, bro. Like it 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 looks to me as if they're legitimately really missing that playmaking ability and that pick and roll offense from Mike Conley. And if he can't come back, and I know you mentioned it yesterday, that that does this mean that he might not be able to come back this series if he doesn't play tonight? Um, I, I just I don't know. If he doesn't play this rest of, the rest of this series, the Clippers will in fact move on and go go ahead and play the Phoenix Suns. But if if Mike Conley can come back, even if even if the Clippers win next game, if Mike Conley can come back for like game six and try and turn the series around, I I'll have the Jazz in seven. Because I think Mike Conley has the biggest impact and I don't think they're prepped and ready for a Mike Conley game. Because right now they're just so focused on, well, Donovan Mitchell is going to have a crazy night regardless of who we put him on. So we might as well lock up everybody around him that has scored a lot of points. That's what we saw with Jordan Clarkson. Although we did have like three or four wide open shots that he missed. For the most part, their main focus was to slow down Jordan Clarkson. Slowing down Jordan Clarkson was key. To them to win, obviously number one, number two, if they can slow down Bog or Bojan, which obviously they really didn't because he's averaging 18 right now. If there's a way to like slow one of those people down, they figure it out. They're gonna keep winning these ball games. So I feel like with Mike Conley coming back, it's gonna be huge. If he ever does, hopefully he does. It would be nice, um, but if not, then the Clippers win. They're, they have they have their defense set up. Their schemes are, are set up and ready to go to beat this team. You know what I'm saying? So it's unfortunate for the Utah Jazz to be missing Mike Conley, but at the end of the day, it's the NBA. You know, everybody gets injured. It's a damn sport. It's 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 gotta be next man up mentality. And unfortunately, 100%. we're not seeing that right now. So no,
1: yeah. I mean, if my I agree. I mean, if Mike Conley comes back, it's a different jazz team. I mean, in that first half, the biggest thing I saw for why the Jazz were struggling, they weren't moving the ball. Yeah. A lot of No passes, garbage shot. And with Mike Conley on the floor, that just doesn't happen. He is the facilitator to that team. That's why they brought him on. Was it last year, I think? It was his first year, or was it two years ago? Uh, I think last year. Yeah, either way. I mean, they brought him on the team because they needed a point guard. They Mm -hmm. needed that guy that can control that offense because you know Donovan Mitchell is a perfect two. He He doesn't need the ball in his hands to score. He can score from passing, you know, getting, that's what Mike Conley's there for, to pass the ball, facilitate the ball. And I think that's really what, I mean, the second half, we saw the Jazz do a better job of moving the ball, which is why they won the third quarter, and which is why they won the fourth quarter, which you can also make the argument the Clippers might have taken their foot off the gas a little bit. You're up 24 at half. I mean, that's a pretty big lead. But anyways, I mean, the Jazz can't expect to win by forcing bad shots up. That's what the Clippers want you to do. The Clippers don't want you to pass the ball and expose the defense. They want you to maybe one or two passes and force up a quick shot. And that's what I saw. A lot of I know you love Jordan Clarkson, but he was forcing a lot mm, yeah, of bad was, yeah. shots last mm-hmm. night. And, I mean, that that controls the game. He, when he started getting open shots, it was too late. He was already so cold, his shot was already off. I mean, he wasn't going to be hitting those open shots because he was forcing in the first half. They weren't getting easy buckets. And, yes, we have to credit the Clippers' defense for – Making it tough on them, but the Jazz didn't look like they wanted to move the ball. They yeah. were looking for the—they're like Donovan Mitchell, please save us. Like that's what—that's what I saw last night. I was tra- a little hero ball from him and Jordan Clarkson, and you just can't do that if you expect
0: to win playoff games, especially against a stout team like the Clippers. It's crazy you said it because I was just about to wait until you finish and say it. Hero ball—that's literally all I saw that first—not even the first quarter, but that first half. Was just straight hero ball, no organization, no running plays. It was just straight trying to ISO, trying to find a one on one matchup to try and, you know, maybe break down and go. And it was just, it just didn't seem right to me. Like that's where Mike Conley comes into, you know, into effect. That's where he's he's best at. Slowing down the offense, getting their, their offense set up, running their plays, being organized, running basketball, you know what I'm saying? To win games. And unfortunately, without him, I just don't see them winning the rest of the series.
1: No, yeah, I mean, I agree. The Clippers, after these last two games, they look like the better team for sure. They look like the more all-around team. They don't look like they're going to make those same mistakes that they did last year in the playoffs, blowing that 3-1 lead. I just, I mean, once the Clippers got down 0-2, especially against this team, I thought it was over, especially after seeing what they did last year, blowing a 3-1 lead. But this just looks like a completely different Clippers team. They look like they're ready to take on that challenge. Getting down in a series doesn't affect them, obviously. They were down 0-2 in both first round and now the second round. And they came back and have tied the series up. And I'm not going to count off the Jazz because the Jazz are a good team. They're the one seed for a reason, yeah. Mike Conley or not. But, I mean, if Mike Conley, like you said, if Mike Conley doesn't come back, I just don't think the Jazz gonna are going to yeah, yeah, I just don't think they're going to be able to win.
0: I agree. All right. Now before we get into the last game and the game tonight, uh, a little break, a little uh, if you guys haven't followed the channel, whether this is uh, YouTube, if you guys are listening on audio, Spotify, Apple, whatever the case may be, we appreciate it if you guys drop a follow, maybe give us a little rating on Apple or like DM us or comment on one of our posts on Instagram or Twitter, and just let us know any feedback that you guys have for us to improve. Obviously we would love that, you know, slowly but surely we are going to be better. we're going to be great and we're gonna be the number one podcast in the entire world. But it's yes, just sir. a process, you know what I'm saying We're 14 episodes in. we love all the support that we've been getting. We're slowly growing, which is beautiful. It's a, we've only been doing this for about two or three weeks. so we are all very happy. we're all putting in our hard work and effort. so we're thankful for all of you guys again, if you haven't already follow us on or subscribe to our YouTube, follow us on apple spotify whatever the case may be and uh that's about it now let's get we into this to, go, ahead, on. go before,
1: ahead before we get into this game i've got I, I don't know if you saw yesterday but big news i know you're going to be a big fan of this did you see that the nba is considering rules change to prevent the unnatural shooting motion fouls Woj tweeted out yesterday saying that the nba is looking has, they've had enough of the perimeter shooting shooters like leaping in front of defenders, jumping back like Trey Young does. They're looking into uh changing that rule, which I would love personally, but I'd love to get your opinion
0: on that. I haven't I did not hear that. I have to look into it. But what what rule are we talking about?
1: You know uh how the Kawhi rule? No, no, no. Just how shooters are jumping into the defenders. Oh, so what fouls. James Harden used to do. No, what James Harden used to do, what Trey yeah. Young does. Oh, so that what, crap. Yeah, oh, hell looking, yeah. No, yeah, that needs to be changed. Exactly.
0: So, so here's my take with that. When it comes down to that, like those type of rules, it needs to be set in stone and it needs to be very consistent because yes, we have the Kawhi rule, but at the same time, there were, there were foul calls in that Nets buck series the other night, or maybe it was two nights or two games ago. There were some calls that like Chris Middleton, like was going up and then he did like he like looked like he was kicking forward a little bit, and like they called a foul. But like I don't understand that sense of a rule. Like I understand like a, the the shooter needs to land right, and they they have to land where they where they went up. But in some cases, some people or some shooters have such unorthodox like ways to come down that it just it just I don't know. It just doesn't look right in that sense of the Kawhi rule. Now the rule you're mentioning, yes, I hate that. I absolutely hate that. Now, I, you know, I'm not going to lie. I loved when D Wade did that type of, you know, little pump fake and then he'd get him jumping and then lean into him. But the way that James Harden and Trey Young and all these shooters now have taken, like basically use that to take advantage of, of the technicality of the rule. It's very weird. I I've hated it for the past. I don't, I don't know how many years, like three or four years, even when he was on the damn rockets and he was going like, you know what I'm saying? Like we could, we could stick, sit here and talk all night about that rule. No. I had no idea, but I'm glad that they're looking into fixing that. No,
1: yeah, but when D Wade did that, it was way, it was different. beautiful because he got beautiful. defenders in the air and it was, he was really getting fouled. But what yeah. we're seeing now is defenders are backing off and the offensive player is just throwing themselves into there. Yeah. Like, what that's been my bit like you said, we could talk about this forever. For ours, it's yeah. been my biggest pet peeve of the NBA mm-hmm. for the last three or four years because it's like, as a defender, what are you supposed to do? Because if mm-hmm. you I mean, if you back off, they're still throwing their body at you. But yeah. the number one thing I would like to look at, they're talking, the, the word is unnatural motions on jump shots. Okay. So my thing is, I think they're going to look at a lot of tape from this year and just go through and look at, okay, this is what a normal jump shot looks like. And this is what it looks like when you're really trying to get the defender to follow you. And I think if they can get, it's going to be tough because everybody has, everybody's shooting motion is different. Yeah, I mean, it's just the facts and it's going to be tough to be able to get a consistent call on that, but I think it, they need to at least look at it. I'm I'm glad that they're at least looking at yeah. it and I'm hoping that they can put together a rule that at least slows down players from doing this because it's just, it's not basketball. I think Steve Nash said it earlier this year to Trey young. It's not basketball when you do that. Mm-hmm. I mean,
0: it's, it's just not. And that's just my opinion on that. The only thing that I can say, like, I'm glad, like you said, that they're looking at it. But it's unfortunate because in situations like – think I think we saw it in the Sun series when Jokic would set a pick and then either Monte or, or MPJ, someone would come off of that pick and just like their defender gets stuck on Jokic, right? But like it's like an arm tap. He taps like MPJ's arm. Some like small technicality and they just chuck up a prayer and they get a foul call because he tries to go over the pick and then like he like – He's not he has hands up, you know the the defender has his hands up and I don't know bro it's like technicalities like that are going to affect that rule and how the natural sense of like things are going to look because you have to make that a foul. Like that has to be a foul in the sense of the defender's not doing like they're going over the pick but you know what I mean like you're fouling the dude in that sense. You're hip checking him. So it's like I don't know bro. I don't I don't know. I saw a lot of like backlash on on the refs in the sense of that game. If we're gonna talk about that rule, um, but whatever, we'll, we'll move on. We'll move on. Um, all right. So last night or yesterday, about this next but, Nets Buck series, we were originally told that both Kyrie and James Harden were going to be out. But a few minutes before the show started, Mister what's freaking Mister bombs uh, came out and tweeted out that James Harden was being upgraded to doubtful. And that he he feels that he's ready enough to go out there and test his hamstring and shoot around and to see if maybe the doctors would give him some, you know, some clearance to play tonight. Now, what was your decision in the sense of the outcome of this game before James Harden potentially playing? And now what is your decision? Who's going to win tonight with this possible news that he might play?
1: Well, before, I was definitely thinking that the Bucks win. I mean, no James Harden, no Kyrie. I mean, mm-hmm. you traded away so many of your players for James Harden. You signed Kyrie last year. I mean, these are players that you expected to be here in the playoffs. But I don't think James Harden plays tonight. You said he got upgraded to doubtful. He's yeah. going to test it in shooting. I don't think they risk it. The series is tied right now. But if the Bucs <laughs> lose – I mean, sorry, if the Nets lose tonight – James Harden, I think, is a lock, especially after seeing that, a lock to play in the next game because the Nets are not going to throw away this season. They've invested too much into this season to just not let James Harden play. If he's 70%, I'm playing him. If I'm James Harden and I'm at 70%, James Harden at 70% is better than 90% of the league, like, yeah. and that's just a fact. I mean, when p- those superstar players, even when they're not at 100%, they're still better than most players on the court. So I think James Harden probably doesn't play tonight. I mean, his, if he's getting upgraded to doubtful, that's just to freak the Bucs out, I think, a little bit. Because then now the Bucs, they have to watch film. They need to look – they need to – they, they I don't know. I'm going blank. Uh, set their game plan, sorry, for now James Harden. You've got to prepare yourself for James Harden because he might play. And he's too good of a player even when slightly injured. That you I mean, you can't just ignore him. I mean, it's James Harden. And I think that alone is gonna at least require the Bucs look into it. But I don't think he plays tonight. And hope, but if they lose,
0: he's a lock to play in the next game, I think. No, a hundred percent. I think with that news, um, sure, I guess it can like you said, it'll just like scare the Bucs a little bit. But I'm gonna be honest, I don't see why they wouldn't play. If he's if he's like, like you said, if he's 70%. Why not just, you know, give it a go, maybe play limited time, maybe play like five, ten minutes, or may, like just to test it out. Like AD played five minutes that night to test it out, and then he sat, like he couldn't go, you know what I'm saying? So just to see where his head's at and where his body's at, I would say maybe give it a go, try and go 15 max, be as productive as you can, whether that's like seven plus assists. You don't have to shoot the ball, because I know that hand is probably going to tweak out a lot.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But providing that and just like, giving, like taking that pressure away from Kevin Durant in the sense of having to take over, basically, I think that'll help tremendously. But tonight, in order for them to win, if James Harden doesn't play, Joe Harris has to have a way better series. I think that's, that's their biggest role player that, that has to step up is Joe Harris. You're paying him that much money. And for him to not produce the way that he's producing or has been producing is very unfortunate. And, and that just needs to be better. Um, Bruce freaking Bruce Brown, I guess needs to continue to hit his little floaters, but down the stretch, you better not have that damn ball in his hands. I'm telling you this right now. Yeah, that ball better not be in his hands down the stretch, but you know, that's a whole different conversation in itself. He's good though. He's a, he's a really good Hooper just in the clutch. Just get the ball out of your hands. Um, who else? Oh, Mike James, Mike James needs to have huge minutes tonight, offensively, defensively, he needs to just have a huge impact. Those three have that impact that they can, that they can provide for this team defensively. Oh, I guess not really defensively with Joe Harrison then offensively to score the points. So KD doesn't have to drop goddamn 50. I think, I think we can potentially see a Nets win only if offensively they get production from their supporting cast. If KD is solo Dolo pulling a damn Jason Tatum, 50 points, you know what I'm saying? Maybe we'll see a win. Like that's a small chance, but I think the Bucks might win tonight if James Harden can't go and Joe Harris plays the same way he has been.
1: No, yeah, I agree. I mean, the Nets to win this series, they need that production from their bench. Yeah. But for me, Kevin Durant, yes, he's gotten his twenty to thirty points the last two games, but it has not been like on a good shooting percentage. Yeah, I think Kevin Durant comes out tonight, and like you said, I think he's fifty plus tonight. I yeah. think if the Nets want to win tonight. They don't. Yes, your role players are important for the series, but for tonight, Kevin Durant needs to come out and show the Bucks he's the best player on the court. He, I'm, he's tired of hearing that talk about Giannis, Chris Middleton. He don't need any of that. If he comes out here and does his thing, balls like Kevin Durant can ball. The Bucks are going to get scared because when Kevin Durant is on, there's no stopping yeah. him. I don't You can throw a couch at him. You can throw a car mm-hmm. at him. Buddy is going to get his buckets. He's a seven foot pure shooter. He can shoot over everybody. He can drive by you and yam on you. We need to see vintage KD tonight. And I think we're going to, I think we're going to see, it's going to be a close game and it's going to come down to those final buckets. And if I'm the nets and I have Kevin Durant, I'm not worried about those last two minutes, give him the ball. Everybody else get the hell out of the way. Let (laughs) Kevin Durant do his thing. Let he's going to, if I'm Kevin Durant, I'm shooting the ball 30 plus times tonight. I want that Kobe mentality. I don't. If your team's not doing it for you, that's an excuse. Go out and do your thing. And if he drops 50 and they lose, then yeah, then you can be pissed at your role players. But guess what? If I'm Kevin Durant, I'm not passing the ball tonight. I'm shooting, shooting, shooting. And unless I'm starting off cold, that's the only way I'm passing the ball. If he starts off like he did last game, I think he was 2 of 10 in that first half, yeah. then maybe there's an argument to be made. But other than that, shoot the ball, Kevin Durant. You need to do your thing. You need to prove that you are maybe the best player on the planet. And maybe nobody wants to hear that, but Kevin Durant needs to prove tonight that he is the best player on the planet. And I think he might do that. I think if I'm the Bucs, I'm worried because Kevin Durant usually doesn't have back-to-back off games. And, yes, scoring, people only look at the box score and see he scored 30, 28 points, Mm -hmm. so they assume it's a good game. Nah, he's shooting 35%, 39%. That's not good. He's mm-hmm. gonna come out tonight, and I think he's gonna prove all the haters wrong. And I think he's they might win. They might win tonight.
0: Man, I mean, I'm I'm hoping they do because let's be real, that team is a way better matchup for that 76ers than than the damn Bucks, to be honest with you. Uh, I don't stop know. It. I think, stop it. We're not okay. The, stop the Nets it. are the better team, yes. Stop but it. The, but the Bucks do match up well against the Sixers. Bro, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Their bench, the Bucks bench, has nowhere. Like we have not seen the Bucks bench anywhere, bro. So, if we compare the 76ers bench, we probably could hoop and get goddamn 20 points plus off from their bench, and the Bucks get zero points from their bench. I mean, brother, I mean, no. brother, what are you gonna, what, Giannis gonna hit freaking 40 points a game? Freaking Chris Middleton's gonna have 40 points a game? No, we're gonna see, we're gonna see their player performances, freaking booty cheeks, bro. I, I, I don't know what to tell you, chief. Listen, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, maybe it's just I have a very, I just, I don't like the Bucs and I don't like the 76ers. So I would like the Nets to get there because I have no ill will, ill intent. There's no hate towards the Brooklyn Nets. So maybe it's that maybe, maybe it's just the fact that I hate the Bucs because they're freaking ass. And maybe it's because I hate the 76ers because they're freaking sorry. And so I'm going with the Nets because they have three superstars and I think they can potentially win. Now, like I said, if the Nets win this series and go to the NBA well, and then go to the Eastern Conference Finals, they're going to beat whoever the hell they play because I don't care. Then they're going to play in the freaking uh, NBA Finals. Now it comes down to injuries. Is Kyrie going to be there? Is James Harden going to be there? If it comes down to that, I got the Suns in six because the Suns are going to beat whoever the hell they face.
1: Wait, hold on. So Do you think if the Nets get by this series, Big If, and James Harden and Kyrie don't play next series, you still think they can beat the Sixers?
0: Whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't say all that now. You I said, said yeah. you I said, I said, if they get injured during that series, because they're, you know, they, they have injuries right now. So yeah. if they come back, not fully healthy, and then they re injure themselves, my bad, I'll specify if they re injure themselves during that 76 er series, I still think the damn nets will advance because at the end of the day, you know, what I'm saying Joel's dealing with the same situation. We're seeing a really slow down Joel. We're seeing a freaking my knee's hurting, bro, I can't on, get up there on, no more. Hold on. What you mean? One. The man had the man had 0 for 12. The man is now <laughs> feeling the man had the man is now feeling his small little meniscus tear in his knee. He just talked about it. He's like, Yeah, but I can't get up there like I usually do, man. Da-da-da-da-da, making all these excuses. But there We weren't having those excuses when he was dropping the 40-point games. Hey, exactly.
1: The- Let's not let this recency bias act like he hasn't been playing well in the first series where he dominated, in the first three games where he dominated. Let's not act like that no, goal had disappeared from one bad game. But and what yes, I'm saying
0: – go ahead, my bad. Go ahead.
1: Yet his knee has bo- been bothering him. It's not like his knee injury is a mystery to the league. It's been reported about. They said – the doctor said it's not going to get worse. He's just going to remain in pain. Yes, I, I don't agree with Joel Embiid coming out with that excuse. I think it's a sorry-ass excuse. You've been dealing with this injury. Don't use it as an excuse now because you had a bad game. Say, guess what? That's my fault. That's my bad team. I'm supposed to dominate, and I didn't. I played like garbage. I played like I didn't deserve to be on the floor. Don't use that injury as an excuse. That's a LeBron excuse. I see that all the time. That's I mean, big. T- I hate when a player like like – was it – uh 2017 when LeBron punched, punched his him. hand against the wall. Come on now. No, oh, wait. That story. If you want to
0: bring that series up, he didn't mention that injury until he lost until he lost the NBA Finals. It came out with a whole cast. Yeah, like it was reported that he punched a locker, but he didn't confirm it because he didn't wear a cast until after they lost that series. And he's like, Yeah, bro, I was playing with a broken hand from game one. And I was just trying to work, push through and uh, 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 like, feel bad for me, please. That's what I'm saying though. I so, hate that but, Right. But there. here's my thing though, with that Joel Embiid, it's not, it's not that he's using that as an excuse. I think that he's just now starting to feel it. And like, I guess, sure. Maybe the doctors are saying that it can't get worse, but it's a meniscus tear, whether it's a small one or not. I think a meniscus tear is not something that like you can like really play with too long without it being one painful. And two, without it really affecting your body. So I think we're seeing it now. And if we're going to continue to see this, like, progress to get potentially worse in the sense of pain, how is he going to play through that? Yes, he's an NBA player. Yes, he's an athlete. Yes, he's a superstar. Goddamn, arguably the best center in the league. But it's a it's a meniscus tear, bro. Not a lot of people play through that. You know what I'm saying? No, so yeah. It's like, I, I, I just don't know. That's I think the it, only reason why I say that.
1: It really comes down to this next game tomorrow when the Sixers play. If Joel Embiid comes out and does his normal thing, then I'm not worried about his knee. But if he comes out and struggles a lot again, then I'll give you all the credit. I mean, then his knee has to be bothering him. There's no other way around it because Embiid's not going to come out and have two straight bad games in the playoffs. He's too dominant of a player. But if that knee is truly bothering him like you think it is, I think, don't get me wrong, I think the knee is definitely bothering him a little bit but not to the effect to have O of 12 in second half. Mm -hmm. If you're playing, obviously, to some extent, it can't be bothering you enough to keep you out. I mean, O of 12 is just sorry. But if Joel Embiid comes out and has another poor performance, then yes, I agree. That knee must be affecting him more than I think it is. But if he comes out and does his thing, then I think it's just one bad game. Everybody has it. You're Mm -hmm. a superstar. And especially... With today's league, the big man, you're going to have off nights. I mean, it just happens. Any superstar is going to have an off night. And yeah. you don't want to see it, but it, it just happens. But if he comes out, like I said, with another poor performance, yes, maybe that knee is bothering him a lot more than I think it is.
0: No, 100%. It just comes down to, like you said, next game. We'll see tom- or tomorrow or whenever they do play. Um, but back onto the Bucks net series. I don't know, man. There's a lot that needs to go down tonight for both sides i think what the bucks really need to do because in the beginning of that first quarter that first half last game pj tucker was really giving the clamps and showing them clamps on on kd so are we going to see that again tonight are are they going to come out as aggressive defensively on kd especially now that he doesn't have james harden or Kyrie? like are they going to just shoot they might even double them off like as soon as he hits half court Is that what we're going to see? And then if they're going to just like, okay, if you're going to beat us, KD, you're not going to be shooting the ball. Your teammates are going to have to make it. So then it's going to come down to, you know, Joe Harris and all these people. So I I just don't know. It's going to be a very interesting game. I definitely want to see how Budenhoser comes out and how he strategizes, especially without Kyrie and without James Harden. Um, But I don't know. At this point, I just want the Nets to win. But I think tonight the Bucs might win. So we'll see.
1: No, yeah, speaking of P.J. Tucker, I love that, man. I mean, he's. Yeah. I feel bad for him in the sense that he, since he's been with Houston, poor guy's been guarding a big guy almost his entire mm-hmm. the last year, this year, and he stuck with Kevin Durant. He's been playing excellent defense, but he's too small. It's yeah. the Patrick Beverly on Luka Doncic. You, if Kevin Durant is feeling it, P.J. Tucker, no matter what he can do, he can be annoying, he can be a pest, but he can't affect Kevin Durant's shot because Kevin Durant can rise up and shoot over him like there's nobody even guarding him because PJ Tucker, even though he's not short, he's not, he can't, he can't put a hand up on a seven foot shooter and expect the effective shot, which is kind of what we saw in those first two games. Yes. PJ Tucker. No one was talking about his defense in those first two games. Cause Kevin Durant was going off. He was playing with the same intensity as he was in the last two games. He just had more of an effect because Kevin Durant wasn't feeling it. in those first two games, Kevin Durant was feeling it. Yeah. So there was no stopping his mid-range jumper. There's no stopping him from the three point line because PJ Tucker can't get a hand on the ball to affect the shot. So if Kevin Durant comes out here, starts off hot. If I'm the Bucks, I just like there's nothing you can do to Kevin Durant. I said it earlier. You can throw a couch at him. When he's on, he's on. And as long as Kevin Durant is on, I think the Nets win tonight. But even if he's on, they could still lose because yeah. there's nobody else on that team that's been consistent to do anything in the playoffs so far. So like you said, we might need a big performance from Mike James. We might need a big performance from Joe Harris and Bruce Brown, but are we going to get it? I'm just not sure. Yeah. I don't know either.
0: Like bro, one of the most, like they're consistent, that team in the sense of their superstar production, they'll get their buckets from the role players and, and whatnot in the supporting cast, the little buckets that they produce. But in the sense of like, like, this team, I mentioned it earlier with my, with like my friends um, in a group chat. This team was built around all three of their superstars being healthy. At first, it was built around their two, but then they obviously traded away everybody and their mother to get James Harden. So this team was built around their three big superstars being healthy. They have their depth is not that strong. If one of them go down, shoot. Now they got to deal with two of them being down. God bless America, and God bless Steve Nash, because this team, in the sense of depth and who they're going to get production from, is very questionable, which is why I agree KD needs to come out off the muscle, play strong, play aggressive, and play assertive, because if not, it's over, at least tonight, and we can just say that the Bucs will win, not the series, but the game tonight. I mean, even let's
1: not forget that Spencer Dinwiddie is still on this team injured. Yeah. If yeah. Dinwiddie, even with yeah, Kyrie that's, all different, James, that's what I'm saying. It's exactly. Even yeah. with Kyrie and James Harden out, I think if Spencer Dinwiddie was playing tonight, I'd have way more confidence in the Nets. Because that's got that's a guy that's been there. He's he's a consistent scorer. He can go he's gonna go out and do his thing. And I think if Spencer Dinwiddie was playing in this series, it'd be different too. But yeah, I give you Steve Nash deserves a lot of credit for having to deal with what he's had to deal with. Yes, Mm -hmm. people have been making the argument, oh, Steve Nash is going to steal a ring. He got handed three superstars. Yeah, well, he didn't get handed three superstars that are playing. Let's not forget that those three have not been on the court with each other very long. Most of the time it's two of them or even sometimes just one of them. And Steve Nash is going to have to – he's a genius, and I think he's going to have to come out, have a great game plan, and hopefully – I mean, like you said, I want to see the Nets win because the Nets are the better team. When the Nets are healthy, they're the better team. And I'm a, I'm a basketball fan. I want to see good basketball. Yep. And if it's the Bucs, yes, the Bucs play great basketball, but they don't have the superstars like the Nets do. And it's, it's a league of superstars. That's how the NBA gets its views. The superstars dominate the league, and that's why I think that I – that's why I want the Nets to win, like you said. I mean, I want to see the best possible teams advancing in the series.
0: Yeah. No, I couldn't agree more. Really quick before we uh, wrap up the show – speaking of Spencer Dinwiddie did you did you know this man is legitimately trying to make a case to Steve Nash to come back for the NBA Finals no yeah I
1: saw that uh, I think it was like a month ago or so before the playoffs yeah. started there was a report on and that's when when I saw that I'm like okay let's write it off if Spencer Dinwiddie comes back that was mm-hmm. before James and Kyrie were hurt yeah but when I heard that I was like good Lord you're gonna have Spencer Dinwiddie who would be starting on probably 30 of 32 or 30 He'd be starting at 90% of NBA teams, but he'd be coming off the bench for the Nets. That'd be scary. And I, I don't even want to think about it because they would, even if it's the Suns, a full- Oh, no, NBA yeah, that's, that's like five or, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's, they're in five. It's like four, I, four or five, yeah. Like, 100%. it's just,
0: it's crazy to me, that turnaround, though. That's the, like, I think the finals start, I don't even know when the hell the finals are supposed to start. Maybe like July 8th or something. Yeah, something But the like fact that. of the matter is, He's turning that around in six months. He tore his ACL December 27th against Charlotte, and he's turning it around in like six to seven months to play. Like, bro, it's unbelievable. uh, It's not, it's not heard of,
1: bro. I I mean,
0: I don't know what he's doing. Well, hold on, hold on. First of all, unheard of. Okay, hold on. We got that college baseball player, sure, it's completely different sport, but we got that college baseball player tore his ACL four days later, comes and plays and hits three dingers you know what i'm saying for their team to win and then he continues play this entire college world series so that that's a whole different sport. So no yeah really i mean not to like
1: knock on baseball baseball in my opinion is the hardest sport there is out there but it's a lot different yeah it's a lot an acl yeah. and baseball because yeah, yeah. even though a lot of power comes from your lower body it's not all from there and like depending mm-hmm. on which knee was torn I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. Difficult. I mean, in basketball, you're constantly moving, yeah, no, no, 100%. but I mean, I, I hear what you're saying. That guy's a beast for coming back off a torn ACL in four days and hitting dingers. I mean, yeah, I give, I give nice. the man credit
0: for that. Absolutely. But I and mean, that's pretty much it. I don't got anything else. Do you got anything else you want to mention? Talk about whatever no, the think, case may be. I think we knocked it out. All right. Well. Thank you guys again for watching. If you're watching on YouTube, I appreciate you guys. If you're watching the past broadcast of this on YouTube, subscribe to the channel, drop a like. Um, if you guys are watching this on Apple, Spotify, feel free to follow subscribe over there on that platforms, uh, drop a review. We would appreciate that as well. Social medias. You can follow all of our social medias, uh, unspoken rules pod. And then I think it's only on Twitter where it's unspoken rule pod. Um, but yeah, yeah, that, that's our social media as a uh, as a podcast. Blake, where can they find you? You can find me at Blake Spillers everywhere, Twitter on Instagram. And then you guys can obviously find me at RabbitFL everywhere, all social media platforms. But um, thank you guys again for watching. We appreciate it. Feel free to, again, DM us if you want to give us some feedback, comment on anything, and just let us know what we need to improve on. We definitely do appreciate it. We love all the support. And other than that, Uh, It's been your boys here at Unspoken Rules Pod, and uh, we're out. Peace. Peace.